Thank you for joining me today in the zone with Tamika Nicole, where we talk all things sports, more specifically football and basketball, but we're going to incorporate more sports as we go along. But right now, those are my two main hot topics or sports, I should say, to talk about. Man, were there some surprises in the playoffs last week? Things went in ways we didn't think they would go and just some surprises of people who stepped up in the absence of other players so we're gonna talk about all of that today so we're gonna jump right to it and get into the zone let go so you have the utah jazz that were eliminated by the la clippers this game seven was exciting to me I enjoyed this game thoroughly, and I'll tell you why. The messed up part is is that Kawhi having a sprained knee and knee injuries can be very tricky. He obviously wasn't playing game seven. So you have your big star, your best player who's out. It's game seven. It's do or die. And it's like, is anybody going to be able to step up we know Paul George has stepped up and done great been consistent scoring in the 30s but he was going to need some help then you have Donovan Mitchell he's playing through ankle injury still doing great scoring in the 20s consistently and you have the defensive player of the year so you're looking good great opportunity but the Clippers just outscored the Jazz. The Jazz got lost, especially defensively. They struggled. Rudy Gobert being the defensive player of the year just was not ready for this young man who I want to talk about because watching him gave me chills. It was electrifying just to see how the crowd was. I couldn't help but get goosebumps for this young man. Why? Because Terrence Mann stepped up to the plate, having to play in place of Kawhi Leonard, being a rookie and being on a big stage of playing in a playoff game seven where it's you got to win or you're going home. And he stepped up to the plate and it was a beautiful thing to watch him, first of all, have a moment and take advantage of it just by being the great player that he is. Terrence Mann, the man, no pun intended. He played 38 minutes, scoring 39 points, had two rebounds and one assist. Scoring seven threes. He was dropping them like it was nothing. At one point, Paul George scored a three, then Reggie scored a three, and then Terrence scored a three. Like they were, the Jazz was just not ready defensively, especially with Terrence Mann just kind of popping up and and having a great game. Rudy, Rudy Gobert, they keep near the rim. And so it just messed them up defensively because Mann was making those shots at three behind the arc. And like I said, was hitting them back to back. So I was just glad, like I said, just to see him have that moment And sometimes because injuries are going to happen, you don't want them to happen. But they do because it's sports. It's going to happen in all sports. But when a star goes down, 
it's always interest, interesting to see if someone can step up to the plate and fill those shoes because it doesn't always happen. Nikola Jokic didn't have help. Kevin Durant didn't have the help they planned to have because Kyrie was out and James Harden was playing with a hamstring injury and a leg. So he wasn't as efficient as he would normally be. So it's not always like that. So in those moments when someone steps up and shines and just to watch them have a great night for all the hard work that they put in to play, and they may not always get to play in the big games as much when everyone is healthy, but just watching them have the opportunity to shine and show what they bring to the game was amazing to watch. So shout out to Terrence Mann for that game seven last Friday and being a part of what helped the Clippers knock out the Jazz. Paul George still had a great game and did what he was supposed to do, scoring 28 points. Reggie Jackson came through to help with the squad. He scored 27 points. So overall, Clippers beat Jazz 131-119. Clippers are now facing the Suns in the Western Conference Finals. The 76ers get eliminated by the Hawks in Game 7. And it's so crazy to say because watching the series, it didn't have to be another disappointing season for the 76ers ended ending this way. It just didn't have to be that way. But the Hawks did beat the 76ers in Game 7. In Philly, mind you, 103 to 96. What went wrong for the 76ers? First of all, you have Joel and Bede. Joel and Bede, he's not near 100%. He has the slight tear in the meniscus. It's flapping and can get caught and just cause you to kind of be off for a little bit or you land on it the wrong way. And you know he falls hard and everywhere, as we've discussed previously. Then it's just he just drops off in the fourth quarter. He's he's gassed. I don't know if the injury is catching up with them, but he gives it his all. But by fourth quarter, if nobody's gonna step up, then Philly's in trouble, and that's what had happened the last few games but the last two they had to come they had the Hawks in a deficit of 18 and 25 points and just let them come back in fourth quarter and just go off on them offensively what else didn't help the 76er is towards in fourth quarters Joel and Joel and B would get his turnovers I don't know if it's being tired or sometimes you could be trying to really trying to make something happen so much that you just it just throws you off. So they were throwing their hands and causing turnovers. I just hated to see the 76ers have to go out like this after such a great regular season. Seth Curry, shout out to him because he really stepped up 
scoring in the 30s for two games, but game seven scoring, I believe, 16 points. But he still contributed to help them get to a game seven, as well as Joel and B giving it his all being tired dealing with the injury and when he falls, seeing him get up and kind of grimace, you could see he was trying to play through it all. And then you have Ben Simmons. Ben, Ben, Ben. Where have you gone and where have you been? To be the point guard and to only be scoring eight then six, and then in this last game, seven, five points. To not take a dunk or a layup because you said Gallinari, you felt he was on your back and was going to foul you. And, of course, he's petrified to go to to the free throw line because he hasn't been shooting free throws well. And that hasn't been his whole career it's just that they have his percentages have gone down. I don't know if his confidence has continued to go down, but it's to the point to where he doesn't want to get fouled and he doesn't want to take shots. So what are you going to do? Then what are you out there for? Especially being, like I said, the point guard. You're worried about Gallinari on your back. Ben Simmons is six. 10, like in a half, almost 6, 11. He should be dominating the rim. No problem, as tall as he is. To be that tall and scared to shoot, you could see it in his eyes. Yes, he still did great as far as rebounds and had great assists. Um, If it was the last game, he had 13 assists. But it's because he gets rid of the ball so quick because he doesn't want the ball. So all he does is pass, pass, pass. I don't want to get fouled and I don't want the ball because I don't want to shoot. And now he may have hurt his career because you completely choked. And he could be all right. I don't know if if Doc is able to stay on as coach. Will he Will they trade Ben Simmons? Of course, everybody says he needs to go. He has been great, so he does have it in him. If it's a confidence issue, then hopefully he can get the coaching he needs. But you got to work on that offseason. You got to do better because you really cost your team. That has to hurt to be Joel and B and to play through injury and give it your all. Seth Seth, Seth Curry shooting those threes like that, giving it his all. And you're over there scared in the corner to play. You cost your team. And I'm not saying that he should be giving up on because I'm just that person. I try to give somebody another chance to get his confidence back. If you're going to work hard and stay in this gym and shoot until you cannot shoot anymore. But he has to do something. You have too much talent getting paid too much money and having a great opportunity. And now I can see 
what the big difference is between sometimes we look at a player and we're like, oh man, they're so arrogant or whatever. But now I can see how that would be better than to let the criticism get to you, to let the fear overtake you, and you're stuck. You're not effective. You can't score if you don't shoot. Shoot and miss. They talk about Westbrook, but he shoots. But to be getting rid of the ball, not shooting, not wanting to get fouled, it's it's just beyond. There's nothing I can do to defend you or help you. But it doesn't have to continue to be this way. Get in that gym, put in the work. Donovan Mitchell's one of his... um, I don't know, managers or something was they were out and it was late. And he was like, Well, we're gonna go in after thinking about the game or whatever, we're gonna go at five tomorrow and, you know, shoot in the gym and the guy was like, Okay, I'll see you at five PM and he was like, No, five AM and that's the difference between being a good player and a great player is all about. Sometimes I wonder if these free throw shooters that shoot so bad and have low percentages, why? Why don't you work on that? Why don't you? Yes, you may be a, a monster defensively and you make up for that. And that's why you have the position on the team you have. But why wouldn't you want to be better and spend more time in the gym? And I guess that's what the difference is between Iana's going going out on the court and practicing some free throws because he know he's not doing great. Maybe it made a difference in that game. Kobe spent hours, I'm sure. Michael Jordan spent hours. LeBron, greatness doesn't come just because. So it's 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 interesting to watch because you can see who's putting in the work from year to year. But Ben Simmons, his numbers are dropping. And now his job, point guard for the 76ers, is on the line. So in continuation with the series between the 76ers and the Hawks, Hawks eliminating the 76ers, I know in the previous segment I talked about how Joel and B was playing through the slight tear in his meniscus and getting gas in the fourth quarter, having those costly turnovers, Possibly, probably due to just being totally exhausted because he plays so hard and he's such a big guy and he falls so hard. We talked about what Seth Curry brought to the 76ers and helping them to even really stay alive to make it to Game 7, scoring in the 30s for two games. In Game 7, he only scored 16, but he was a consistent present offensively. Then we talked about Ben Simmons and him being a liability for his team. But I also want to say the 76ers did not take advantage of the night that Trey Young had because he only scored 22% from field goal. He only scored 21 points. It wasn't a big night for Trey Young. But there's always that 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 scary opportunity that somebody's going to step up and have a great night and you're not going to be ready for him like with Terrence Mann and that happened with 
Kevin Herter. So even with Trey Young scoring just 21 points, Kevin Herter scored 27 points. So that really helped the Hawks to edge the 76ers. And then you had Collins with 14 points. And then you had Gallinari with 17 points. But the Sixers did not take advantage of Trey Young and him rubbing his arms, being ice tray. He was he was kind of on, but not all the way. So that had to be a hard loss for the 76ers, a hard series. But you still got to give props to the Hawks. Kevin Herter talked about them being a young team and just being naive and just thinking, hey, we're just going to come out here and play and give it our all. We're not thinking about, you know, what's on the other side or, you know, they knew they were the underdog, you know, but they were like, hey, we can still do this. And it paid off. They were consistent. They came back from big deficits of 25 points, of 18 points, just kept pushing and was just able to to make the magic happen and in doing so and in being consistent and in being confident in who they were even being a young team they took out the number one seed you hate to see the number one seed go out like that but it's all about what you bring to the court so the Hawks were ready so now we'll get to see what happens as the Hawks take on the Bucks. So you have the big shock heard around the world. Either you loved it, you hated it, or you were completely shocked. The Brooklyn Nets being eliminated by the Milwaukee Bucks in a crazy seven-game series with the Bucks coming back from a 0-2 deficit in the series. And just looking at the Brooklyn Nets and how frustrating this has to be for them. To have this super team that you put together, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Blake Griffith, and to know the damage they could do and to completely dominate the East, they had to contend with the the injury bug, and the injury bug won, unfortunately. It kept the three, KD, Kyrie, and Harden, from being on the floor together, they only played seven games together in the regular season. You get to the playoff, and it's looking like you're going to get all three back together because you got James Harden that finally came back, and he was looking like he was great, hadn't missed a beat. And then he goes and has the hamstring injury. But then you still got Kyrie, and you still got KD, so... All you got to do is win and give Harden the time to, you know, heal and be able to play as best as he can. And it didn't work out that way because Kyrie goes down in a critical game, in a critical game with his ankle injury. So now you just have KD that's going to have to carry the team and they're all eyes are on him. And. James Harden ends up coming and playing still with the hamstring injury, still making things happen for the team, um, even even as much more so in the seventh game because he scored 22 points. The only thing with James was 
dribbling the ball a lot and holding it, which took up so much time from the shot clock from the Brooklyn Nets, and then him turning the ball over with bad passes. So mm, he was effective, but also, you know, a liability um, as far as the shot clock and turnovers. You have KD, KD who played great. The game went into OT. He played 53 minutes, scored 48 points. And people are like, well, oh, well, now he only played the one good night, had the big night one night. We knew he couldn't do it, you know, again. Then you got the comparisons again because LeBron would be able to do that, and he's been able to do that game after game. Kevin didn't. I mean, it is what it is. I'm not going to take away the great night that Kevin had playing the full game, having a triple-double, and playing 53 minutes in a game seven, which he was probably exhausted, obviously, playing 53 minutes, still scoring 48 points. And it still wasn't enough. You had, like I said, Harden scored 22, but... Where was everybody else at? Blake Griffin scored 17. Where was Jeff Green then? Where was Joe Harris? And I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's like players, there are certain players that get so inconsistent when it comes to the big stage of the playoffs or they completely disappear from who they were in the regular season. And I'm not going to say, you know, I don't want to sit here. I'm not playing saying, well, it's easy. Keep playing like you've been playing, or I guess everybody would do it, but it's the difference between what makes a player average or good or good or great to be consistent. To step up. Don't just say, well, I got KD on my team. He got us. Tensions on him. No. Do you bring everything you can bring to the game. Make a name for yourself. But not only was it a disappointing loss for this series or just disappointing for the Brooklyn Nets, not just for the injuries and the, you know, just the issues with the injuries during the season. Not only was that disappointing, not only was it disappointing to lose Kyrie, not only was it disappointing to have to have James Harden play with a hamstring injury none of this is ideal it's a tough climb but they're trying to step up to the plate and do what they can so not only was all of that disappointing that they had to deal with but you have in game seven the score 109 to 105 well less than a minute KD scores it's 107 to 109 the Nets get possession with Less than 10 seconds on the clock. So, you know, the plan is give KD the ball. He's going to shoot a three-pointer. It's 107 to 109. So, with a three-pointer, he's going to score 10, seal the deal. Ball is in, inbounded. Kevin gets KD, gets the ball, shoots, makes the basket. We thought it was three points, but the ref caught his foot on the line like an inch or two. I'm sorry, about a half an inch or an inch on the line. 
So it was a two-pointer, which made the game 109 to 109 and sent the game into OT. And after that, KD was gassed because he was 0 for 6 in OT. He tried to make another clutch shot, a three-pointer. It completely airballed. Um, Giannis outplayed KD in OT. The Bucks win 115-111. to So, tough in so many ways for the Brooklyn Nets and having to know the team they should have been had injury not been an issue or had people stood up, you know, and helped KD to give time for injuries to or players to come back and you never know if they're going to be 100%. So I want, don't want to say they're going to come back 100%, but at least able to help be affected, effective enough to be the Nets we thought that they would be. But you have to give credit to the Bucks. Giannis scoring 40 points. He stepped up to the plate, did what he had to do, played tough. I think the thing Giannis is going to have to stick with when it comes to the conference finals is use your size. You do better attacking the rim than you do trying to shoot threes. So just knowing when to shoot those threes or knowing that, hey, I'm going to do better. I have better games and we do better when I'm attacking the rim and not trying to make three-pointers um, he does okay with the mid-range, but I think his best thing is, like I said, what I noticed, the game, the the difference that, um, the things that made the difference in the games with the net series was when he was taking threes and when he was dribbling in and taking those hits and just attacking the rim. So now we'll see as the Bucks now will have to face off with Atlanta. We'll see if how it'll be Ice Trade versus the Great Freak. Hey you, I just wanted to take time and thank you specifically for taking time out of your day to listen to my show In the Zone with Tamika Nicole. I hope that you're enjoying the sports topics we're discussing, the series and game recap stories, trying to keep you up to date on everything you need to know sport-wise, specifically football and basketball. But if you have any questions, comments, ideas, thoughts, or anything you want to be shared to discuss, hit me up at TamikaNicoleZone at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. But I also need your help if you can share my podcast, even with one person you know that loves sports, your homeboy, homegirl, anybody you know that needs to be kept up to date on what's going on in the sports world. Please share my podcast. Also, you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can find me on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Breaker as well. Thank you again for your time. Hope you have a great rest of the day.